That's good. Well, Larry, come on up, and uh, why don't we give him a round of applause as he comes. Wow. I'm going to walk over this way. (laughs) Uh, Good morning. Wow. I'm still sort of uh, in the worship zone right now. That was awesome. It's good to see everyone. I recognize a few faces there. How are you? (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Father, you brought us here this morning. You woke us up. You got us in this building (laughs) for a reason. (laughs) You've determined in in the heavenly realm that there's some things that you want to happen here today, some lives you want to touch, some changes you want to make. So, Holy Spirit, come and have your way. Accomplish the purpose that you brought us together for. This is your meeting, Lord, so we just ask you to have your way. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. I am so incredibly encouraged. I I'd really am beside myself. <laughs> this is me excited, in case you're wondering. This is, this is what excited Larry looks like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this we've been in Australia now since April 13th, somewhere along in there, and um, everywhere we've been on this trip, every single stop, we've seen just a powerful release of the anointing. Revival is on in Australia. It is, and I've been saying this for a number of years, ever since 2007. Actually, I can tell you when I started saying it. But revival's not coming to Australia. Revival's here now. (sighs) And the kind of revival it is, is a little different. So you have to be alert to what's happening to perceive it, I think. There are many times uh, in our lifetime when God has poured out his spirit in locations, outpourings like Toronto and Pensacola, Florida and... uh, Some of those places, Lakeland, you know, right? That's not what's happening in Australia. You can't, you can't locate this in one geographical place. (laughs) This, the Lord gave me a term for it, a groundswell. And I had to look that up because I really didn't know what it meant. Um... When we were in, a, in Samoa a few years ago, right after we were there, they had the um, uh, tsunami. And when the tsunami came in, there was a story uh, shortly after that in the newspaper about this uh, Kiwi surfer who was on holiday, and he was out surfing when the tsunami came in. I don't know if anybody else read this article. But he was way out. He'd gotten way out, you know, way beyond the reef and all. And when the tsunami came in, all that happened to him was he just went really high. <laughs> yeah, that's all that happened. He was far enough out where the water wasn't breaking, so he just goes whoop like this. And he's out in the water, you know, watching this tsunami break on the shore. Yeah, that'd be a wild experience, wouldn't it? Not sure I'd want to have it, but it'd be a wild experience. That's a groundswell where the whole level is raised. All over. I mean at one time, just boom, everything goes up. That's what's happening in Australia right now spiritually. It's not located in one church or one group or one, you know, stream or whatever. It's just the whole thing's going 
like this. <laughs> yeah. I was in this church. Yeah, I've been here several times. Some of you have been around, you know. I've been here forever. <laughs> I was here before the screens. I like the screens. <laughs> I, told, I told Martin, I like shiny things. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> 2007, in this building was when God really opened up the door for Australia for us. We'd been here before, but that was a major milestone for us. But I think it was a milestone for the body of Christ. And not because I was speaking, obviously, but the reason I think it was a milestone, Heidi Baker, you know, spoke that night. Uh, that she, uh, she had one meeting, I think. Roland and I did the rest of them. It was fun. <laughs> but the day she spoke, she said that it was going to rain that night in, in, in Adelaide. That was 2007. Uh, some of you don't look old enough to remember 2007, but to, just kidding. 2007, it was dry. I seem to have to remind people of that now. There's been so much rain, they don't remember it was dry. Do you remember how dry it was? It had not rained for years. I mean, it was like parched. And I, I was thinking, because I'd been in Australia long enough to know you didn't joke about it back then. You did not joke about the drought. That was not funny stuff. I mean, people were dying. Livestock was dying. It was bad. And, uh, I remember Heidi made this statement boldly. She said, it's going to rain tonight in Adelaide. And I'm thinking, I really hope it does. Because <laughs> we're going to have to sneak out of here if it doesn't, you know, under cover of darkness, be some upset people. <laughs> but it did rain that night. It rained a significant amount here. And then north of here somewhere, I never have found out the name of the town. It was in the paper the next day. They got a whole year's rainfall in one night. Yeah. Of course, I jokingly like to say that was only half an inch, but, <laughs> but, but it was significant enough to be in the paper. There were kids. Do you remember this? There were kids in that town. I remember reading this. I was fascinated. There were like six and seven-year-old kids who had never seen rain. That was the first rain they'd ever seen in their lives. Yeah, that's how bad it was. Y'all were here, remember? Come on. <laughs> and, uh, but this is what the significance. Heidi said this. She said, when it rains here tonight, this is to be a sign. And here's what the sign means. You're no longer to say that revival is coming to Australia. From this point forward, you're to say revival is here now. And so for the last, uh, how many years ago was that? 2007? What year is this? 2000, whatever it is, you do the math. All these years, um, I've been proclaiming that everywhere we go in Australia. And we've seen revival break out in different places, but what we're seeing it, you know, like the, the spot fires that's been prophesied, there's little fires burning all over the nation. And when we first came here, there were just maybe one or two churches in every capital city that were really going for it, really understood revival and that experienced revival and going for it. Now, even in the country towns, I don't care where you go in Australia, you will run into a bunch of people who are, are going for it. They're having, you know, supernatural schools of ministry. They're flying to Bethel, they're doing, you know, going to conferences. By the way, do you know that like there are no more preachers left in America? <laughs> they're all over here right now. I mean, like this week. Brian Simmons, good grief. Where, where, did, where did Alan go? Alan, Brian Simmons is going to be here next week. This is my friend Alan. We, we, he just followed me. He's stalking me. Um, <laughs> no, seriously, he, he's met a, a, a person over here. And uh, <laughs> Alan's from Vermont. And Brian is from Connecticut. And he's, yeah, he's a statesman among the men of God in Connecticut. I highly recommend it. But I'm thinking, is, are there any preachers left in America? But this, 
I, I believe this. It's not because we've got so much to share with you. Let me tell you why this is happening. No, 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 the other guys won't tell you this. I'm going to tell you this. It's not because we've got so much to impart to you. We just want to be where God's moving. And the spotlight is on Australia right now. That's why you see all these guys coming over here. It's not because the offerings are great big over here. It's not because, you know, just you're nice people. You are nice people. And it's not because we don't have anything else to do. But the spotlight is on Australia right now. <sighs> I just want to be a part. I just thank you, Lord, for letting me have some friends. <laughs> um, and I want to say this about this church. You guys have a legacy here. You have a heritage. You, you, you have more to do with what's happening now than you could ever imagine. This fellowship, this play, the, the body of Christ that meets in this building, you have more to do with what's happening in Australia than you could ever possibly imagine. Already. And, it, and the big stuff hadn't even happened yet. <laughs> the stage that is now set for what God's going to do. I'm telling you, it would not have happened had it not been for Morfitt Vale Baptist Church, which I know the name is now Harvest. I'm just saying in those days, God did some things. He did some conferences. He touched some people. And everywhere we go in Australia, I meet guys who say, my life was changed at such and such conference at Morfitt Vale Baptist Church in such and such year. That legacy is all over this nation. And most, I won't say most, but a lot of what's happening right now would not be happening had it not been for the seeds that were planted here. <laughs> now, that's really encouraging if you're old like me. But let me say something to the new folks here and the old folks too like me. It's only just begun. This is not the end of anything. This is not the funeral. This is not the, you know, more <laughs> memorial service. God, God has established a, a foundation here. And, and with Martin and Karen, since childhood, you guys have been prepared for this. You've been prepared for this since childhood. <laughs> and what God's going to do in this place, the glory of the latter house, and this is not just because it's my book, but the glory of the latter house is going to exceed the glory of the former house in every way and every dimension. And that's not a rebuke about what has happened. That just means he's going to, he's going to multiply the seeds that have been sown here into an unbelievable harvest. And that's why the name is now Harvest Australia. Because it's not just going to be Morfitt Vale. It's not just going to be this area. It's not just going to be Adelaide that is harvested. It truly is going to be a season of harvesting Australia. The nations, the nations. Thank you, Lord. Wow, I like to prophesy to you guys. (laughs) Thank you, Father. And you say, well, we've had problems. We've done this. We've done that. So what? Welcome to the church. Welcome to the family of God. Next. <laughs> I'm telling you the chapters that are about to be written are going to be the... You know, I said this to somebody the other day. This, I've never said this to anybody before. It just came out. It sounded really cool, profound. So I'm going to repeat it this morning. You know, some people's lives are a short story. Some people's lives are a poem. Some people's 
lives or even a novel. But what God's writing here is an epic. And if you're familiar with that genre, an epic spans generations. <laughs> when they were rebuilding uh, the temple in Haggai, you know, Ezra, Nehemiah, all those guys, Zechariah, that was a multi-generational thing. There were families that passed on that thing from one to the next, and then they finally completed the project. Here's the word of the Lord to you today. The house isn't finished yet. (laughs) The house isn't finished. The foundations have been laid, you know. The walls have been built. I love the new thing you're doing here. But this house is not finished yet. And the really cool part is what's to come. The people and the glory. (laughs) His glory fills the temple, right? Okay. Well, so far, so good. All right. (laughs) Let's give the Lord a hand. Let's bless him. Uh, Before I forget to do this, I want to introduce my friend Rob Perkle. Some of you might remember Rob uh, if you came over to Fiji a couple of years ago. For the, uh, he was our uh, official, official, <laughs> he was our uh, official um, treasure hunt trainer. <laughs> Had some incredible experiences, but the team that came over, we all worked together. It was awesome. And Rob wanted to come today just so he was up, he's up in the Gold Sunshine Coast, I mean, staying up there now, but he wanted to be here just so he could reconnect with you guys. So this is my friend Rob. Everybody welcome Rob. <laughs> And uh, Carol's not feeling well. You guys can pray for Carol. She's having a real attack today, so she would love to be here. She really was disappointed, but you really don't want her here today. Trust me, you don't want her. <laughs> I mean, unless she got well. It was not an easy night. <laughs> Lord, help Carol right now. Heal her body, Father. Yeah, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. <sighs> Thank you, Lord. Mm. So here's the word I have for today. I was um, really impressed recently to read the book of Revelation in chapter 1. And I thought I wasn't going to get to preach today because you were doing my whole message in your opening prayer this morning. And I thought, okay, I'll, I'll just sit here and have fun. You know, I'll just... Revelation chapter 1, I believe it is. Beginning about uh, verse 10, it says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. That's a good thing to know, right? I mean, that's a good thing to do. Wouldn't that sort of like be the pattern you'd like to follow? I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. I wasn't just hanging out. I wasn't just going to church. I wasn't just punching the clock, religious time, you know. I was in the Spirit. How many of you get in the Spirit before you come? I think a large number of you do, evidenced by how you react when worship starts. I mean, sometimes I'm like everybody else. Sometimes I drag in and just say, oh, God, hit me quick, please, you know. (laughs) But it's, it's really cool if you're already in the Spirit, isn't it? I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And he talks about the churches a bit. Look at the verse 12. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke to me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. 
And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden beard, his head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like flame of fire. His feet was like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of the many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. Wow. Now that is a description. That is a, a recounting of a glory encounter that opened up revelation for John that is contained in the rest of the book. He had an experience. He had an encounter with the glory of God. And literally it's like God took him up into that realm. God took him into his realm and just began to reveal who he was and and what he was about to do. By the way, that's what happens when God reveals his glory. It's not just about him showing you who he is. It's also about him showing you what's about to happen, what he's doing, what he's got for you. Hello. (laughs) So that's a pretty incredible, incredible account. If you look in the Bible, there's several places like this. There's like um, Ezekiel had an encounter like this. Daniel had an encounter like this. Uh, There's several places where they have this incredible revelation of the glory of God in the throne room. How many of you like that? I like that. (laughs) And you see that realm. You see where where he, you know, his neighborhood. You see where he is, where he hangs out. (laughs) And it's a transformational experience in the book of Corinthians. Most of you are aware of this, I know by now, that In Corinthians, Paul makes it clear. He said that we are transformed when we see the glory of God. When we encounter his glory, something happens to us. We're transformed by that experience. And he says we're transformed in the image that we see. We become like what we behold. (sighs) And that work is done by the Holy Spirit, according to 2 Corinthians. As by the Spirit. So the Spirit of God opens up our eyes. That's what's happening with John. The Spirit opens our eyes and we see that realm. And something is exchanged. What we have, the limited resources and the limited perspective, all of a sudden we see God unlimited and un- uh, 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 we see from his perspective, right? It's getting really quiet. Some of you are seeing right now. Some of you are just wondering where I'm going. But here's what I want you to see this morning. I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you have them, or in your electronic device that contains Scripture. (laughs) To the book of John, the Gospel of John, the second chapter. That's where it was a while ago, but it moved. Oh, no, there it is. John 2. John 2, I just want to read a portion of this story. It's the story of where Jesus turned the water into wine. How many of you are familiar with the story? Don't have to read it, right? You, go, you know, remember the details. I want to read the summary statement in verses 11 and 12. The summary statement, water into wine story. This the beginning of the signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. So in this passage, in this verse, this was the first miracle Jesus did, first one recorded. 
And it specifically says that this miracle, the turning of water into wine, was a manifestation of his glory, of the glory of God. I want you to get this revelation. I want you to get this. I may just sit down after I get through with it. It may be really quick this morning. I want you to get this revelation. When, when the Holy Spirit takes us into that realm, his glory realm, where he resides, something changes in us, right? There's a transformation. There's an encounter. There's a, an amazing, incredible experience. But it's him taking us into his realm. We are being taken into his realm. Hello? The Holy Spirit is transporting us. He's, whether it's physical, you know, like Paul said, I don't know if I was in my body or if I was in the flesh. I don't know. All I know is I went somewhere. And something happened when I went somewhere. So there's that experience where God takes us somewhere, where he is, and reveals to us some things that have changed in us, right? But, but what does the glory look like when... Not when we go there, but what does the glory look like when he comes here? <laughs> no, let me see if anybody gets it over here. What does it look? That's what it looks like when we go there. What does it look like when he comes here? When the glory is manifested on earth, what does it look like? You say, well, it looks just like it did. No, no, it doesn't. And if you don't understand that, you'll miss his glory here. Two different realms, two different dimensions. He's operating in a different plane here. It looks different here than it looks there. I haven't seen any seraphim running around this morning. No cherubim. I mean, they may be here, but I haven't seen them. Hello? Angels do inhabit. They come. But there's a different element. That they're in a di- he's in a different element than we're in, right? And when his glory manifests in this element, it looks different than it looks in that element. Some of you are going to get this. It's starting to dawn on you. <laughs> oh, this is something new. I hadn't heard this before. I'm telling you, it looks different here than it looks there. What does it look like here? Jesus. <laughs> it looks like Jesus. It looks like Jesus. Because the Bible says in, in Hebrews, he said, by the way, you can look all this up. You have Bibles. You can verify if I'm telling you the truth. In the book of Hebrews, it says, that all the fullness of the, uh, the, you know, the, well, it doesn't say this in Hebrews, but all the fullness that God had dwelt bodily in him. But he said in the times past in Hebrews, he's spoken through the mouth of the prophets. But now he is speaking through Jesus, who is the express image of the glory of the Father. When you see Jesus, you have seen the glory of the Father revealed. <laughs> What does it look like when his glory comes to earth? It looks like Jesus. What does his glory look like when it manifests in a church, in a group of people? What does it look like when he manifests in you? It looks like Jesus. And here's the exciting part to me. It makes a connection. It helps things click for me in my mind. What does that look like? He's doing good stuff. It's tangible release, tangible expression of his goodness. The Bible says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, Acts 10, 38, who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. What does it look like when the glory of God manifests on the earth? It looks like God's goodness released through Jesus. 
<laughs> he didn't have to make the water into wine. There's a lot of religious people who would prefer that he didn't make the water into wine. There was no have to about that. There was really no big significance to it. Now, that sounds kind of radical, but really think about it. People who'd already had too much to drink, they'd already drank all the wine they had. And what does he do? He gives them some more. And apparently, it was really good wine. South Australia, probably, you know. Yarra Valley. <laughs> Pinfolds, I don't know. It was something really good. I wouldn't know about that. I wouldn't know. I've just heard stories. <laughs> no one was healed that day, right? No one was healed. People really rag on me all the time about the gold stuff. You know, what fascinates me, here we are, what, 10 years, 15 years into this thing, and people are still having trouble with the manifestations. I go to the same churches, and there's still people having, oh, I'm not sure about that. What do you mean you're not sure about it? It's been going on 20 years. Why are you still sitting here if you're not sure about it? If you don't think it's God, you better be hitting the door. Because otherwise, you're believing, you think, you're just sitting here putting up with the deception. If this isn't God, then what is it? Make up your mind. Come on. Don't sit there and tell me you like me when I preach if you don't receive the message about the gold. I mean, as far as, if you don't receive that, then I'm a nutcase. You should not listen to me. If you don't believe what I'm saying, you shouldn't give me the time of day. <laughs> I'm sorry, Marty. You can fix everything when I'm gone. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sometimes the logic of this escapes me. I mean, I used to be a guy who denied all this stuff. And if I heard me preaching back then, I would have left the room. I mean, immediately. Somebody starts talking about gold teeth and glory dust. They might as well be talking about fairies and magic, okay? I'd be out the door like that. And if you still believe we're lying about it, you need to be out the door now. Don't sit around and put up with it. Be honest. This is either real or it's not. Somebody's leaving now. No, I'm just kidding. Now, here, here's, but here's the reason I'm going into this tirade. I'm sorry. Excuse me for the tirade, all right? Why was I going there? The glory. Maybe it's just for the tirade. I don't know. When, 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 when God does stuff like the wine, I mean, people, why would he turn the water into wine? Nobody got healed. Nobody got delivered of demons that day. The real miracle that day, as the Bible says, his disciples believed in him. That was the real miracle. That was the sign and wonder. But... Why does he choose unusual things like that? All I can tell that really happened that day is he just did something nice for a couple, a married a couple just getting married. He just did something good, something nice to show his goodness. Can anybody else attach any significance to it other than that? Hmm. So why would he do things like turning people's teeth gold or, or sprinkling gold dust, uh, you know, glory dust or making people fall and jump and shake and laugh? And why would he do all that stuff? It's his ways. It's the way he does stuff. That's just the way he does stuff. Reconcile that in your mind. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He does, way, he does things in ways we would not do them. We might as well reconcile ourselves to the fact that he's not us and we're not him. 
And he's not obligated to do things our way just so it'll make it easy for us to accept it. <laughs> uh. hmm. But the Bible says that's a manifestation of his glory. In other words, when you see those things happening, you can know his glory is on the scene. Why is that a manifestation of his glory? Because Jesus released the miracle working power of God that day and, and performed, a, 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 he actually, it was a, a, a creative miracle. And that's a manifestation of his glory. And he's still doing that today. He's still doing things really off the wall in our way of understanding that are creative miracles, that are signs and wonders, just to let us know, hey, his glory is here. Jesus is really here in a tangible, identifiable way. He's really in the house. (laughs) Rob and I have some really good friends in this very small town in West Texas called Graham, Texas. And uh, I had these guys pray for me right before I came. (laughs) That's where I go to get prayer, Graham, Texas, the center of the spiritual universe. It's like the nexus. It's where everything comes together. No, I don't know why. God just used this group of people. But we were out there, and they were praying over me and Carol. And this lady brings out a little vial, uh, a little pill bottle, you know. She said, I want to show you something. And she shows me these little round beads that look like uh, bath oil beads. You know what I'm talking about? Little kind of sort of... Um, I don't know, olive colored or something, you know, but kind of transparent, but, you know, like a bath oil bead. All right, you know what I'm talking about. But they weren't. They were, they were hard. They were just, and they'd had them taken to a um, jeweler and assayed, and it was a, a, a semi-precious stone called tomerline, tomerlin. In the, in the Bible, it's jackanath or something like that. And it's the stone that's in the breastplate of the high priest, but it's also the stone that's in the new city, Jerusalem, I mean, in the, in the, in the walls of the new Jerusalem. Here's a story. I mean, the, the guy, one of the guys in the group was worshiping the Lord at, a, at an IHOP meeting in Kansas City. And when he opened his Bible, these little beads were in there. And there was like four or five of them. So he takes them back to Graham to show to his friends. And, and one night he shows them to his friends. Well, the, one of the ladies in the group takes them home with her. Takes three or four of them. I think she had four maybe. I don't remember how many. Just three or four of them that he gave her. Takes them home. And for some reason, I don't know why she did this, but she put them... In her pillowcase, you know, when she went to bed, she put them not, not under the pillow, but in the pillowcase itself. The next morning, they get up, her and her husband. This guy's a lawyer. This is not a flaky couple. I've known him for a long time. He's a respected lawyer in the community, small town. She's a very refined, dignified woman. <laughs> the next morning, they get up, and there are hundreds of these things everywhere. You know, sort of like the Tribbles thing on Star Trek. I mean, some of you are old enough. Uh, anyway. There were hundreds of them everywhere. And so she collects them and puts them in this vial and brings them to this meeting. And, and she gave me some of them. I thought, that's cool. They gave me some. Well, what's up with that, Lord? Well, it's a sign and a wonder. What does it mean? Well, it's the stones that are in the New Jerusalem. It could be saying something about the body of Christ, huh? It could be saying that he's building his house and we are it. But it's a revelation of his glory. He's saying, this is not normal. This is, these are unusual seasons and unusual times, and I'm doing unusual things. Wake up. Pay attention. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, when he takes us up there, we have an encounter. We have an experience. It does something to us. When he releases that on earth, it does something to other people around us. 
It gets real. It gets real for other people. Other people can interact. Other people experience what we have experienced in that realm. They get to experience the result of that. They get to see the goodness of God pass before them. And it looks like healing. It looks like signs and wonders and miracles. It looks like real-life transformational encounters. It's, it's just the reality of that realm being manifested in this realm. Hmm. 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 Glory. Hmm. Now, here's the key. If you're, not, if you're not tanking up in that realm, you're not going to have anything to release in this realm. Does the term tanking up mean anything here? If you're not filling up, if you're not getting your, if you're not, if you're not receiving, you're not having anything to give. This past week, uh, I went back to Burpengary, uh, which is north of Brisbane, if you don't know, but it's where Charles and Nicole, how many of y'all remember Charles and Nicole, Lambalika? He's pastoring there and they invited me. This has happened to me twice in my life now. Once here and once there, I was invited to speak. Uh, at a Roland and Heidi Baker conference. I don't know why that happens. Twice. I like that. It happened because Roland overbooked is why it happened. And they needed somebody to fill in the afternoon session on Thursday. So I was... But Heidi was her usual self. I mean, you're just Heidi. What can you say? But I love one of the things she kept saying over and over, and I'm sure you've heard her say this over and over, is that love looks like something. Love looks like something. I mean, you've heard her say that. Love looks like something. In other words, you can't say you love somebody and just look at their need and not address that need somehow. You've got to put hands to it. You've got to put voice to it. You've got to do something. If, if it's real love, it's going to have a demonstration. Well, I just want to apply that same thing to, to the glory of God. If it's really the glory of God, it's going to have some physical, visible, tangible expression. I had this thought the other day. Somebody was, uh, you know, talking about, again, somebody was having trouble with the manifestations and pe- the fact that people shook and fell. And, and this thought hit me because um, I was reading Hebrews and, and I was thinking about this, that God is the creator of everything. He, he spoke everything into creation, right? I mean, he spoke and everything we see, everything that is, was created. Hello? Is that true? And the Bible says that the, all of creation is upheld by the word of his power, talking specifically about Jesus, that everything that is, is held together, upheld, it functions, it works, it stays together by the word of Jesus, his power, the word of his power. That is a lot of power. Can you, and I'm I'm not talking about symbolically or figuratively, I mean literally, what holds this world together, what holds the universe together is the word of his power. That is incredible power. Is it not? So, it should not seem unusual to us that when a human body comes in contact with that kind of power, we have a reaction. What is unusual, what's weird, what's amazing is that we wouldn't have a reaction. To be honest with you, what's amazing is is that we're not zapped, pulverized, vaporized, like a bug, like a mosquito and a bug zapper. <laughs> That's what ought to happen. That's what, I mean, that kind of power. But God has ordained that we can encounter his glory by the work of the Holy Spirit. He's wired it so that we can receive it. 
I can relate to this because I remember the first time we came to Australia and we plugged in our 110 hair dryer to a 220 outlet. <laughs> it doesn't take moments. It doesn't take minutes. It takes seconds. It's gone. Immediately it's fried. Yeah? Because it's not wired. It's not capable of handling that voltage. But see, he's wired this thing so that we can encounter his glory. And so we see through a mirror. We see through the Holy Spirit revealing these things. He opens our eyes and our ears and our hearts. And we get the message. We get the revelation. And transformation happens. But the purpose of that is expression. Tangible expression. Something that people can see. One of the things the angels cried, you know, uh, I think it was Isaiah. I can't remember where I read this, but is it in his presence they were saying the whole earth is filled with his glory. The whole earth is, oh, well, I'm getting drunk. The whole earth is filled with his glory. But what is it, Hosea or Amos that says, the prophecy says, but the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. I mean, the glory already covers it, but most people aren't seeing it. It's there. It's around us all the time. His glory is all over the place all the time. We're not seeing it. But the prophet says it's going to be tangible. The knowledge, people are going to see it. Hallelujah. Have y'all got time for a history lesson? Not too sure about that, are they? At the beginning of the 20th century, there was no such thing as a Pentecostal or charismatic church on the earth. They did not exist. There was no assemblies of God. There were no church of God. There were no charismatics. There were no, none of that didn't exist. But a revival broke out in Azusa Street in Los Angeles, California, early in the century. So that at the end of the 20th century, the largest denomination on earth uh, and the largest, fastest growing segment of Christianity, Pentecostal charismatics, which by the way, you are, you just don't know you are. What we are is the largest growing, fastest growing segment of Christianity on the earth. That all happened in 100 years. In 100 years, we went from having none to being the largest group. Hmm. The Catholic Church designated in their history books, the 20th century was the century of the Holy Spirit. They got that right. Because all throughout the 20th century, those of you that are really old like me, I... Oh, I at least remember from the 60s on, okay? But um, wave after wave of the gifts, the ministry of the Holy Spirit was restored through different moves, different revivals, different emphasis. So that the, you know, the, uh, the, in the 40s, it was the latter rain movement. In the 60s, it was the charismatic movement, the Jesus movement. In the 70s and the 80s, along came John Wimber in the third wave. But in every successive wave of that, there was a restoration of the gifts and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So much so, now let me, let me tell you this, you may not realize this. If you go into any little town in Australia, I guarantee you this will happen. If you go into any small town and you go to the petrol station and you ask the attendant, where are the people in this town who speak in tongues? He probably never been to church in his life, but he can tell you who they are. We're known. They know who you are. That's why I encourage people, just go ahead and be what you, you know, be, go ahead and be what they accuse you of being because... They're already talking about us. They know who we are. Yeah, I mean, just try it sometime. Just drive into some little town. Is there anybody here speaking a tongue? The guy said, oh, I think those guys over there, I think that church does. 
I believe, this is what the Spirit of God spoke to me. That's why I'm telling you this story. What the Spirit of God spoke to me was this, that the 21st century, which by the way, for some of you, that is where we're living now. (laughs) Some of us still have clothes we bought in the 20th century, right? We're still wearing them. <laughs> Newsflash, 21st century. It's been going on a while, okay? <laughs> the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, The 21st century is going to be known just as the 20th century was known as the century of the Holy Spirit, the 21st century is going to be known as the century, the season in which my glory was restored to my church. So much so that if you drive into that same petrol station, at some point, some point down the road now, some point down, I don't know when it's going to happen, but at some point down the road, you drive in that same petrol station and ask that guy, where's the glory in this town? He's going to say, it's over there. Those people have got it. You want to find the glory, they got it. Uh, we went to this little town called Colcan. Colcan. How many of you know where Colcan is? I'm just curious. One guy in the booth. Colcan, you been there? Yeah. No, you just know where it is. It's north of Albury, if you know where Albury, Albury. And uh, we didn't know anybody there. Rob met a lady on an airplane. Said, come stay at my place for a week. That's kind of interesting in itself. <laughs> How that all happened. Just flying along, turbulence hit. She grabbed his arm. She was scared to death by the turbulence. Grabbed his arm and noticed he was reading a Randy Clark book with a foreword by Bill Johnson. She says, oh, my church. They, they read, we're, we're in the Supernatural School of Ministry. You're coming to our church. That's what the lady said. Well, you're coming to our church. That wasn't on the itinerary. But I'm so glad we went. It's a little bitty town. 1,200 people. All right? 1,200 Australian people. In a small town in Australia. And uh, this town was dying because the local abattoir had shut down and the tannery. So their main industry was, was gone. So the town was scheduled to die. That was what everybody was pronouncing over the town. This place is going to die. The church said, "Uh uh-uh, it's not dying on our watch. Not dying on our watch. So as the businesses have gone bankrupt and come up for sale, they've been buying them and operating them. Key key cornerstone, they bought the bakery. (laughs) Any of you have grown up in a small town Australia, you buy the bakery, you've got it, buddy. You've got the whole... (sighs) And they're operating it, and their people, the people they're training in the supernatural school of ministry, the young guys, they're working in the bakery, and they're praying over all the people that are coming in the bakery. So it's, it's like we go in, we went in there a couple of times to eat, well, three or four times actually, and get coffee, or whatever. And man, it's just like you're walking in the glory. You just walk in the door, oh, he's here. Uh, Nobody told them they couldn't do that. See, the glory has a tangible expression. When God reveals things to you, it works here. Things happen here. They've got the hardware store. They got a uh, they, well. It's called a base bargain basement. They got a resale shop. Uh, they got a farm. Even they rent. It, they lease a farm. So the farmers in the church are farming the farm. And the money's coming to the church, so they can go do foreign missions in, in Africa. I'm encouraged 
Because the glory of God is manifesting on the earth. But specifically, he's manifesting in Australia. Right here this morning. The glory of God is here. Hmm. The school thing. That's not insignificant. That's huge. That's the glory of God manifesting in a tangible way in the school. Glory. I'm just encouraging. Anybody encouraged yet? I'm encouraged. I think I'll quit. I'm just really encouraged already. I think I've done enough. Hmm. (laughs) I had one concern when I started this trip, one really genuine concern, because the Lord kept taking me over and over again to the scripture where he said, woe is Jerusalem, woe is you guys, because you missed your day of visitation. And I guess if there's a, you know, warning or if there's a cautionary note, it's simply this, don't miss it. Don't miss what God's doing here right now. Because it's not some generic thing that is happening somewhere else. It's happening here. It's happening now, and it's for you. Paul made it very clear, so did Peter, that the temple that God is building now is not a temple made with human hands. But that the temple of God, the temple of the Holy Spirit, is us, the people of God. We're it. And if he's going to manifest his glory in a tangible way, it's going to be through us, his people. If the earth is going to see his knowledge, his glory revealed, the knowledge of the glory is going to fill the earth, he's going to do it through us. That's the season we're living in. That's the restoration that's going on now. So anywhere you go in the world right now, you're seeing incredible miracles, healing miracles, incredible healing miracles. You're seeing incredible uh, signs and wonders anywhere in the earth you go right now. People are getting touched because that's the season we're in. His glory is manifesting. So don't miss it. Don't miss it. This is personal. It's for you. Now, that doesn't mean everybody's going to be a missionary. You know, not everybody's going to go to do the same thing because the glory is going to look like what it's supposed to look like in you. You're a unique vessel. You don't have to copy everybody else. Not everybody's going to buy the bakery. You guys would be hard put to find a bakery to buy, okay? That's not what's going to happen. But he's going to uniquely use all of us to accomplish the task, which is revealing his glory in all the earth. All right, everybody stand together, please. Uh, Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want you just to do something with me, if you would. Now, I know this is Australia, but I also know you guys. Normally, when I'm in Australia, I will say something like this. If you would like, if you feel led, if you're in the mood, please raise your hands. But no one has to. Here, I just say, everybody raise your hands. (laughs) And repeat after me the now famous prayer. Are you ready? Uh, I like these guys over here. Lord, Lord, oh Lord, Lord, we are your temple. I am your temple. Fill your temple with your glory. Now, Now. right now. (laughs) Receive the Holy Ghost. Why is it so important to receive the Holy Spirit? Because that's how the glory comes. Receive the Holy Spirit.
Where's the glory going to come from? Is it going to come on the outside? We'll see signs and wonders, but the glory comes inside. It's in the temple. He's in you. He's in you. <sighs> Receive. <laughs> uh, some of you need a jump start. <laughs> so if you're standing close enough to somebody that you can do this, put your hand on their shoulder and release what's happening in you and them. Don't knock them down. Don't prophesy to them. Don't wrestle them to the ground. Just put your sh- hand on their shoulder. Release. Yeah, release. Yeah, glory, 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 glory. Whoa! Thank you, Lord. Now, listen, some of you may be new to this. There's no requirement. You don't have to shake. You don't have to fall. You don't have to laugh. All I'm suggesting to you is that you simply receive and let the Lord do whatever he wants to do. It's his house. You're, you are his house. He, was, he just wants to come and make himself at home in his house. Uh, thank you, Lord. Now, if there's somebody here this morning, and there well could be, that you've never been born again, this all looks like just absolute lunacy to you, and I understand that. Let me say to you quickly that the Bible says you must be born again. For you to understand any of this, for you to understand and see the kingdom, you must be born again. And so this morning, if you've never been born again, that's the call, that's for you. Jesus wants to touch you in a real and personal way and change your life this morning. All you have to do is receive him right now. Just receive Jesus. That's all it takes. To as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. Just say that prayer right where you are. Lord Jesus, I receive you. Lord Jesus, I receive you. I'm giving you me, and I'm taking you. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. If you're a Christian and you've just been sort of dabbling your feet in the water... You're not too sure about all this Holy Spirit stuff? You're not not real comfortable with it? That's okay. I wasn't either. No condemnation in that. But the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. All I say to you this morning is, give it a try. Just open up a little bit. Just let him touch you and see. This is good. Because his glory is his goodness manifested. He just does good things for you. He takes away your sorrow. He gives you joy. He gives you peace. It's, it's worth the price you have to pay. It's worth a little humiliation. It's worth it. It's worth it to put your pride on pause for a minute. And just let him come in. Let him have his way. Say, well, I'm a little bit afraid of this stuff. Good, so am I. A little healthy respect is good. Because we're talking about God here. You don't want to be like the bug zapper thing, you know. But listen, he's made a way. He said, boldly come into my presence for help in your time of need. Let me tell you the most exciting thing about the glory realm. Everything you need is in that realm. Every need you have is met in that realm. The Bible says, I will meet all of your needs. All, not just financial, all of your needs. Physical, health, healing, 
emotional, all of your needs according to his riches where? In glory by Christ Jesus. You have a need this morning. That's where you go spiritually to get that need met. And he translates whatever is in that reality by the work of the Holy Spirit. It makes it real in this realm. Oh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hey, listen, I feel like there's some people that really need prayer for healing this morning. I feel like God does want to manifest himself in healing. And so I want to invite you, if you need prayer for healing, to come on up here at the front. And I want to loose, loose the body of Christ on you. <laughs> I want to release the body of Christ on you. If you need physical healing, hallelujah. How many of you believe in physical healing? Uh, me too. I feel better already. Thank you, Lord. Now, pastors, if you're, if you're in the healing line, just step out for a minute because I'm going to have you pray. Leaders, pastors, prayer team, whoever you are, <laughs> you got a lot of work ahead of you. A lot of sick people. You guys are really sick. A lot of sickos here. How is it that this happens? How does this happen? Every time we give an altar call for healing, half the church comes forward. How does that happen? Come on, Lord. Hey, could, could we start? Could we start emulating? Bethel Church in this way, I mean, I know, you know, they're just a church like any other church, but could we start just like, like having this attitude that this is going to be a cancer-free zone? This is, this is going to be an illness-free zone. That there's going to be such a flow of healing, glory released in this place that people get well just walking in the door. And when we give an altar call for healing, three or four people come, not the whole church. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jesus went about doing good, healing all who are oppressed of the devil. Would you all agree that your sickness does not come from God? Let's get an agreement on that. Did God make you sick or did the devil make you sick? If you think God did it, you're going to have a hard time getting rid of it. Because you think he wants you to have it. Just get started out right now. Who gave it to you? Satan. What does the Bible say that we're to do when Satan comes around? Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. Right now, in the name of Jesus, the mighty name of Jesus, the name above all names, we take authority. The kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power, authority. We take authority in this place right now. And we command every spirit of affliction that's been assigned to torment the people of God in this house. We command you to cease and desist. Your assignment is canceled. Leave now in the name of Jesus. Go. (laughs) Be healed. Be healed. Be made whole in the mighty name of Jesus. Right now. Now these guys are going to start laying hands on you. They're going to release the healing. They're going to release the anointing. I would suggest you not prophesy because you'll be here all day. But you do whatever the Lord shows you to do. Release the healing anointing. Let the flow come. Uh, It appears that we will need catchers. It looks like we need catchers. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory. And you don't have to wait for these guys to pray for you to get healed. 
Don't wait for somebody to lay hands on you. If you're getting the anointing right now, just put your own hand on that part of your body. Speak to the symptom and tell it to leave. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory. Glory. I just prophesy by the Spirit. Now, I believe the testimonies that come out of this morning about healing miracles are going to go on for weeks. I believe there are going to be testimonies coming out of this prayer line this morning of healing. Testimonies are going to go on for weeks. He's releasing it right now. Right now. 